Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, presented by Facebook. Today's Wednesday, August 26th. Hurricane Laura has been upgraded, Marco has been downgraded, and we're focused on a sneaker scandal. For most Americans, Monday was just the start of another week. But for fans of the Los Angeles Lakers and their late superstar Kobe Bryant, it was Mamba Day because he wore the jersey numbers 8 and 24. 8, 24. Get it? Anyway, Nike had been getting ready for Mamba Day for quite some time, planning to extend it into an entire Mamba week by rolling out five new editions of Kobe Bryant sneakers, one per day. But most people, most fans who wanted these shoes haven't been able to get them for the $180 retail price because these were limited editions and Nike's sneaker app, which it used to sell direct to consumers, was sold out in a matter of seconds each day. That left fans to scour the so-called reseller markets, sites like Goat and StockX, where the shoes were going for hundreds of dollars more, often because the resellers had gotten them by using bots. It's basically tech-enabled price gouging, the sort of thing that a ticket scalper can't do on the street, but could do behind a desk or behind an app. Sneaker reselling has become very big business, and not just when it comes to Kobe gear. StockX is valued at around $1.3 billion, and Cowan and company analysts say there could be $6 billion worth of sneaker resales by 2025. Sneaker makers like Nike and Adidas, not only don't they have any interest in slowing it down, they actually seem to encourage it. The bottom line, everyone is winning, except for those who don't have enough money to play. In 15 seconds, we'll dig in with sneaker and culture reporter Michael Sykes. But first, this. We're joined now by Michael Sykes, a sports and culture reporter at USA Today's For The Win and author of a newsletter called The Kicks You Wear. Let's start here. Can we just kind of broaden things out a bit? What exactly are sneaker drops and why do sneaker manufacturers do them? So a sneaker drop is when, plain and simple, a company like Nike or Adidas or somebody puts out a shoe to the public. So they would release it on an app or their website or whatever, and people can go and buy it. And why they do it is simple. They just want people to buy their sneakers, right? like a movie company puts out a new release. But then some of them, like this one this week, these Kobe shoes are basically limited editions. It's limited supply. If the goal is to get people to want to buy your shoe, why limit the number of shoes you make? People say it's genius. I'm not totally sure that it is, but they do this because people think that it drives them to go buy other products that may relate to the product that they think is scarce that they wanted in the first place. So it ultimately is a driver for the company to get people to go and buy other things. Yes, there will be some people who do manage to grab this limited edition sneaker or whatever, but for those that don't, they're going to say, oh man, I didn't get this. Let me go buy something else. So with this particular thing, this Mamba week and this kind of one shoe per week, if I was somebody who, say, on Monday wanted to buy the first one, Nike's got its own app, the sneaker app, so I went there, I went to Foot Locker or wherever else to try to get one, I had no chance in hell of getting that shoe on Monday, did I? No, you have a chance, right? Like everyone has a chance technically, but more likely than not, no, you're not going to get the shoe. It literally sold out in minutes, Dan, like, because I'm trying to buy it myself and it released at 10 a.m., it was gone by 10.02. And so between putting in your password and getting your payment information and everything right, in that time span, like there are already thousands of pairs being sold off. 
Now, does that mean there were thousands of people like you who all logged in just and had slightly faster fingers than you? Or is this some sort of kind of bot thing where resellers and others kind of have an automated system where they can scoop them up real fast? Right. So that's the thing is that you have a lot of resellers who are using these bots to go in and scoop up all this stock fast. Multiple pairs of these shoes, by the way, to go resell them for literally five times what they were selling for on retail on platforms like StockX and Goat and things like that. Before these particular sneakers came out, you could theoretically, on some of these secondary markets, they were already technically being sold. So explain this to me. How was somebody reselling something three weeks ago that they hadn't been able to buy yet? That varies, right? Because there are some people who, you know, they have what people like to call the plug, right? Like they have people who work at Nike that can get them a pair of these shoes early. There are some people who are actually employed at Nike who actually got access to these shoes, paid for them, and then go online and sell them. Does Nike police that? It seems like the sneaker version of insider trading. Yeah, not really. There are policies that are against this, but they're not enforced heavily. Does Nike itself whether it's them or Adidas or somebody else, do they benefit at all directly from these resellers? Not directly and not monetarily, but the one benefit that they do get is the whole hype machine that kind of drives this whole thing. It's a form of guerrilla marketing, basically. Like they see these shoes on these platforms, the shoes that people want, they're the shoes that people see on Instagram. You wrote this week that there's another company that seems to have figured out potentially a solution to this problem, but it's not a sneaker company. Explain. Right. So Telfar, the genderless fashion company that's been around, I think since the bags have been around since 2004, they've been around for longer than that. But anyway, they had this whole thing with these Telfar bags. When the pandemic hit, like these bags, just for whatever reason, they took off. There were lots of people who were looking for them, lots of demand, just not enough supply. The company noticed that there was a problem in getting the bags to actual customers instead of just resellers. And so they were like, okay, we're going to address this with a pre-order program where they don't really set a stock number necessarily in in terms of how much they want to make and how much they want to develop. But they allow people to pre-order these bags. Whoever wants a bag can pre-order however many they want. And they have a guaranteed ship date by January 15th of 2021. So Telfar as a company has a very different philosophy than Nike, right? Like Nike wants this scarcity because they think it creates, as you said, the hype machine. Telfar doesn't. They feel if somebody wants the bag, we're going to try to get them the bag. It's a very clear distinction between valuing your customers and valuing the hype machine that pushes your customers to go buy things. You yesterday posted something, kind of posted a video talking about this, which was also retweeted by Chrissy Teigen. So now you're kind of Twitter famous for 24 hours. Let me say this. You were very measured, as you always are, but I think you're pissed off. Tell me about the thing with Nike and the Mamba shoes outside of the fact that you want them. Explain your argument here. It's very upsetting. It's very disappointing. And it's because obviously Kobe Bryant passed away earlier this year in a horrific accident. And so for months now, people have been waiting for Kobe's shoes for anything Kobe related to release again. And time after time, they had scheduled releases for Kobe's shoes on the release calendar. Nike did. And each time they were pushed back and we weren't given any information of about why they were pushed back or when they would be releasing again. And come to find out they're releasing all throughout this week that they're calling Mamba Week. And so everyone's kind of anticipating trying to get these shoes because when he passed, there were so many pairs that just went because resellers were ahead of the game and said, hey, Kobe just passed. People are going to want to buy his shoes. We're going to take them. We're going to sell them for, again, five times what they're actually worth on retail. And so we've been waiting for months. 
we haven't gotten any shoes. Now we get the chance to get the shoes and you can't get them. You still have to pay an arm and a leg for them. And it's just wrong to see so many people profiting off of Kobe's legacy with Nike after he passes away in this way. Because of what's happened this week, do you believe that Nike and other sneaker makers will at all change their drop policies? I think they're just going to kind of keep going with what they're doing. Nike didn't become this multi-billion dollar entity by, you know, pleasing everybody all the time. And what they have right now, the strategy that they're using and chasing this hype machine is working now in another three or four years when it's time to reevaluate the company's strategy. Maybe it's different, but damn, I mean, you know that these companies don't really just move in a vacuum. They can't just stop their plans immediately because people are upset. So it takes time and it, it takes people kind of demanding better. Mike, last question, because I've never actually asked you this. How many pairs of sneakers do you own? Um, So I'm down to 37, I think. Mike Sykes of USA Today's For The Win. He also has a weekly newsletter on Substack you should sign up for. It's called The Kicks You Wear. Thank you very much for joining. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Hurricane Laura, a fast-strengthening storm that threatens to pummel parts of the Gulf Coast. Here's how the National Hurricane Center described it earlier today. Quote, unsurvivable storm surge with large and destructive waves will cause catastrophic damage from Sea Rim State Park, Texas to intercoastal city Louisiana. It adds that the surge could penetrate upwards of 30 miles inland, with some reports suggesting the winds will be 140 miles per hour when it hits later tonight. Now, there is a bit of good news in that another storm called Marco has weakened a bit. But that's a small comfort to those in the path of something called unsurvivable, let alone those trying to evacuate cities like Galveston and Port Arthur, Texas, on buses to shelters in the midst of a viral pandemic. Today, we're also watching the American consumer who apparently hasn't heard about the V-shaped recovery that keeps coming up during the RNC. As Axios's Dion Rebowen reports this morning, the Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Survey fell for the second straight month in August to its lowest level in over six years. And another consumer sentiment index, this one from the University of Michigan, shows similarly weak readings. Now, part of this might be due to Washington's continued inability to agree on a new federal stimulus package, which means no expanded unemployment benefits, no direct checks to taxpayers, no new small business loans program, and no help for independent restaurants. Maybe that's why White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows today announced plans to restart negotiations with Democrats. Finally, we are continuing to watch the battle for TikTok with just 20 days to go until there's got to be a deal or the app could be banned by President Trump. Current state of play, Microsoft going it alone versus Oracle teaming with existing investors in TikTok's parent company, ByteDance. There's also a new report today that TikTok reached out to Netflix, but Netflix wasn't terribly interested. So when it comes to Microsoft and Oracle, expect each side to argue that the other has too many ties to China. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great national toilet paper day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios recap.